0: The scripture reading today is from 1 Kings, chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And she was going to get it. He called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Well, as I said, we've been in the midst of a stewardship series
1: talking about the stewardship of bread. It's been our, it's been our symbol and our metaphor for talking about the stewardship within the church. Two weeks ago, we talked about growing, and we talked about you know uh, what it takes to cultivate and grow the the spirit of God, and and how we're given stewardship over God's word. Last week, uh, Doctor Patton came and uh, talked to us about the parables, uh, some of the parables in in Luke, and shared with us some insights in stewardship there as well. This week, we turn to this great story of Elijah in 1 Kings to talk again about the making of bread and what that has to say to us in stewardship. This is a great story and it comes to us... Uh Elijah kind of comes on the scene real quick in Kings. In fact, some scholars have thought that maybe something's missing here, some kind of introduction. But a few verses prior to the one we read today, Elijah was called by God to go to the king Ahab and say and and the uh, say to the king, it is not going to rain here for 3 years unless the Lord God says so. And you might wonder what this was all about. Part of, One of the things that, that is going on here is that the Phoenician or the, uh, the Phoenician god or the Canaanite god Baal, it was thought that that god controlled the rain. And so when it rained, all the people of Canaan would worship and praise Baal. Well, Elijah was there to set the record straight and point out that it is Yahweh it is Elohim. It is El Elyon. It is El uh, El, uh, El. What is it? Jehovah Jireh, who <laughs> who who controls the rain. It is God, the Lord God Yahweh, who brings the rains. And so, to prove his point, Elijah says, "It's not going to rain for three days." And then Elijah books it out of town. God says, "You better go because they're not real happy." with the news you're bringing and he goes out of town and and god says go down by the wadi it's a river he go "Go down by the the river the wadi river hang out there all and i'll send the ravens to bring you food and so every day twice a day these birds would show up with food for elijah isn't the bible great has great stories in it it's a great story and he he drinks of the wadi but then pretty soon the famine gets so bad that the wadi runs out and so uh, Elijah has to leave and God says go to Z- go to Zarephath which is out in Phoenician land right it's a foreign land go to Zarephath and there a widow will take care of you and so he does and this is where we get this story and and uh, Jerry chose the NIV version of the Bible that tells this story that had it kinda softens Elijah's attitude about this. But basically, Elijah comes in and demands a glass of water from this woman. Woman, bring me a glass of water. And while you're at it, bring me a cake. Bring me some bread. And she says, I can't do that. I'll bring you the water, but I can't bring you that because all I have is enough to make a little cake for me and my son. And I'm going to go home. I'm going to bake us a roll. We're going to eat it and then we're going to die because this famine is terrible. We're going to go home. We're going to die. And he says, look, don't worry about that. Share with me what you have. And you will be blessed. You will not die. And that's what happens. And God blesses Elijah's words and blesses this woman's generosity as she comes to Elijah. So, we, in this story, this is a story about abundance in the face of scarcity. It is about hospitality and apropos that we're talking about that today and it is about trust and it is about faith in God God sent Elijah here this who who needed some help and God said I'm going to send you to someone for help but who God sent Elijah to was a very strange choice I think here is this Woman. What's amazing here is that God chose to send Elijah to a foreign woman. Uh, This woman is a Phoenician. Her her people worshipped Baal. She was praying to Baal for the rain to come, Uh, the god that Elijah was sent to discredit. Right? She was the same nationality as the woman who Jesus in Mark basically called a dog. I don't know if you know this story but basically jesus calls this woman a god because the salvation of god he says belongs to the jewish people she goes in she says show mercy to my daughter please and heal my daughter he says i shouldn't i shouldn't give what is i shouldn't give the meal that's designed for the people to to designed for the children to the dogs but her persuasive abilities changes Jesus' mind, right? She persuades Jesus that even the dogs get some crumbs every once in a while. And he says, you know what? You're right. And your daughter is healed. So her persuasive abilities kind of changed Jesus' whole outlook on this thing, which is, which is quite amazing. Amazing. If, you, if you're looking for that story, it's in Ma- Mark 7, 24. It's an interesting story. But that woman was like this woman from Phoenicia. And it was taboo for any good Jewish person to associate with heathens in this way. And yet here the prophet of the Lord was, relying on her good hospitality. Not only did God send Elijah to a foreigner, a Phoenician woman, but God sent him to a woman. Now I'm sure you, have, if you've read the Bible at all, you realize that women are not always treated all that well, right? In this day and age, they were kind of treated like cattle. And their only worth was in their association with some man. They were not given voice and they were not given any power. And yet God says, go. And the only way you're going to live is by the will and good generosity of this foreign woman. Not only did God send Elijah to a foreigner, not only did God send Elijah to a foreign woman, but God sent Elijah to a widow. Now, a widow, to say that someone is a widow is to say, it's synonymous with saying someone is poor, destitute, without means, and without hope. Because this woman couldn't work or hold property. If they did not have a husband or a father or a son who could work, they were without means at all. This is why, in the New Testament, the widows are such a concern for Paul and the whole early church. In fact, in Acts, Luke records that uh, there was a whole special ministry set up just to take care of widows. Why? Because they were the poorest of the poor. So. God sends Elijah to a foreign, poor woman and says, she will take care of you. What an incredible thing. And what I think God tells us in this choice is first that abundance can come from places and in ways one never would have thought of before. Second, I think it reminds us that even the least among us has something to contribute to the whole. This woman, though seemingly powerless and impoverished, held in her grasp the fate of the prophet of God. Her seeming small contribution, a little bit of bread, ultimately resulted in Elijah being able to complete his ministry And the people of God carried on. The character of Elijah has a message for us as well. It tells us that God's miracles are oftentimes depending on other people, not on ourselves. Elijah, in order to receive what he needed, had to set aside his own sense of the way things were in order to receive that blessing from God he had to suspend his inborn prejudices and preconceptions about foreigners about women about the poor and he had to put his fate in her hands this must have been an incredible stretch for him and probably explains why he was so mean about asking for a glass of water there's another thing that Elijah does here that is important for us to remember Elijah doesn't get what he needs at the sacrifice of the widow's need. You know, the widow says, I can't give you... I have barely enough for me and my son to have one last meal and then die. But what Elijah says is, you know what? God will provide enough for me and enough for you and enough for your son. There is enough for everyone that's the idea it's not that Elijah is more important than some widow and her son but that through the act of stewardship and caring and sharing there is an abundance for everyone there's another character in this story and that's the son the son who benefits from this transaction between his mother and Elijah in a couple of ways first of all he got the benefit from the provision that lasted until the end of the drought second later Elijah because of this relationship he had developed with the family miraculously heals the boy and brings him back to life that's in the next few verses after the telling of this story so what is this passage telling us as a church as we consider stewardship of our time of our talent and our treasure First, I think it says in clear terms that everyone, all of us, each of us has something to contribute. This widow, powerless, poor, and without hope was the one person God decided to use to bring about His purposes at this time in this place. Looking at it on the surface, it would be easy to say, look at this widow, she hardly has anything what could she possibly share we shouldn't even ask her to be a part of the contribution we should not even ask her to give but she had exactly what was needed to bring about the plans of God you never know where they're gonna come from the caveat I wanna put on that is that she had to trust enough to give what she had I mean she could have said no and she was well on her way to saying no. But Elijah persuaded her. Only with that kind of faith commitment was the blessing realized. She could have walked away, gone and made her cake and ate it, and then died. The blessing came on the heels of that faith step. It's only when we are willing to risk that we begin to really see that in God, there is abundance, even when we fail to see it. I think that's what Alexis was talking about just a moment ago. But i got to say, here is where it can be a little dangerous, because I don't want to give you the impression that if you give to the church, your financial worries will be over. We all know that's not how it works. But what I am willing to say is that giving as a part of your worship toward God brings with it blessings that you do not experience without that particular spiritual discipline being a part of your life. Amen? Amen. The other message I get here is that the prophet cannot do it alone. This is an important one for me. If you are under the impression that the role of the leaders of the church is to uh, the leader or the leaders is to do everything, then this scripture is for you. Elijah would be dead if not for the efforts of this least among them. Similarly, I or any of the other people who are perceived as leaders in this church are completely dependent on all whom God has called to this church exercising their gifts and talents and bringing their treasure to bear in order to be faithful to the vision that God has for this church. I can, be, I can have all the positive energy and enthusiasm and excitement in the world, but it means very little unless we are taking seriously the calling of Christ to transform ourselves and the community in which we live. Amen? We all bring something crucial to what God is doing in this community. and, And nothing is wasted or can be spared. Here's another reality. If we all in the church give of time, talent, and treasure proportionally, then sacrifice is not a sacrifice. It becomes a blessing. It only becomes a sacrifice when only a small portion of, a, of the church do most of the giving of their time, most of the giving of their talent, and most of the giving of their treasure. Furthermore, this is a recipe for burnout and resentment. And I promise you that it is not Jesus' desire for the church to frustrate people and to make them feel taken advantage of or just plain overworked i promise you and i suggest in a community where all are laboring toward the things of god the byproduct is joy not resentment and burnout but joy amen so really what i'm saying is that our giving of time of money of resources should not result in a forsaking of our own needs, our own survival, our own families. It is something that we ought to share and receive the joy that comes from it when we're all sharing together. When we're all pursuing God's vision with passion together. When we're all responding to the needs of the community around us with the Holy Spirit's help together. Amen? So next week you'll be asked we will be asked to consider our giving as you pray through your commitment of time talent and treasure for the coming year i ask you to observe that we are making this bread together each of us bring a crucial ingredient and the bread is not the same without it i have to say giving of monetary resources is one of these ingredients that's crucial. And while it's hard to talk about this, I'm the first to say it's hard to talk about money. And Dennis says it's a clergy thing they must treat, teach in seminary, but it's hard to talk about money. But the reality is our church, on the whole, can do better in this department. There are many who give little or nothing to the ministry of this church, And what I want to say is for our own sake, for your own sake, I invite you to add this discipline to your spiritual practices. I promise you will be blessed. The other reality is that a few very generous folks carry the bulk of the financial burden of this church. Most of what we do is paid for by just a handful, a very small handful. For us to truly be the interwoven community of faith working together toward the kingdom of God, this has to change, and we need to see a flattening out of the giving so that more are giving and the burden is shared across the generation, the congregation that we might indeed together experience the joy that God has in store for us as we labor as we need and and put the yeast in this bread and watch it rise and then enjoy it together amen let us pray gracious and loving God as we come to this time of stewardship as we come to this time of understanding your calling to share in the abundance that you promise we ask you to search our hearts convict us and Show us what faithfulness looks like in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.